If you haven't met me before, as I said, my name's Jack. I'm, one of, uh, one of, I'm the youth leader here at King's Church. Um, and we're going to be looking at our Bibles this morning. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 20. So if you don't have a Bible, please just wave your hand up in the air. And someone will be very kind, Joe will be very kind, and bring you a Bible. <coughs> so I'm the youth leader here, and uh, Rich sometimes on mornings like today, you know, lets me loose on people other than children and teenagers. Um, and so I'm able to talk to you guys. And as I said, we're looking at Exodus chapter 20. If you've got one of the church red Bibles, it's page 78, I think. Brilliant. Uh, But before we start, I'm just going to pray. Yeah, Father, thank you so much that we can come straight into the throne room like we heard this morning in worship. That we can come into your presence and meet with you. And I pray that wouldn't stop now that we open our Bibles, that we would come into your presence and we would come to know you even better through this. I pray that you would speak to each and every single one of us here this morning. And I pray that you would help me uh, deliver my message and, and, and speak your words, God. That I wouldn't go on my own strength, but that, that you would speak through me. I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So if you've been around the church uh, any time at all recently, you'll have realised that we've been going through a series called The Big Ten. These are the Ten Commandments which God gave the Israelites, uh, sort of, in Exodus chapter 20, sort of three and a half thousand years ago. And um, these were given to the people of Israel uh, after Moses has led them out of slavery uh, from Egypt and they're now free. And God's giving them these commandments saying, this is how I now want you to live. And we're looking at how do these apply to us today? What, what do we do with these three and a half thousand years on? Okay, and we've seen that God starts quite differently to how we would. He starts by looking at himself. He starts by saying, have no other gods but me. This is how you worship me. Don't misuse my name. And he also says, take some time out for me and for rest. And we've only seen from the fifth commandment onwards that God's now giving us some of these relational commandments. How do we get on with each other? How does society work well? What, how should we act? But God's saying, first of all, Get me in the right place. Get me first in your lives. And then we'll do these last six. We need to make sure we've got the first four commandments in place so that we can do these last six. And we're in the middle of kind of these relational commandments. We're hitting Big Ten, number eight, in Exodus chapter 20. And we're looking at verse 15, which says, You shall not steal. Exodus 20, verse 15, you shall shall not steal. Now that's a pretty short one, isn't it? Pretty obvious, pretty basic. We could end it there, go home, tea and coffee at the back, job done. But we're not going to leave it there. We're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at the problem of stealing, the cause of stealing, and the solution to stealing. The problem, cause, and solution. Now, I spent about 10 minutes trying to think of something witty and funny to try and put together and realised I'm not as witty, funny or clever as I thought I was. So, problem, cause and solution. So, in Exodus chapter 20, God is saying stealing is wrong. Okay. So, what is the problem? What's the problem with stealing? Is it a big problem, small problem? I mean, stealing is only done by hard and fast criminals, isn't it? You know, the first thing I think of is a cat burglar, okay? So, you know, the guys in the white and black stripy jumpers, you know, that 
dead of night, sneak into your house, maybe prize a window open. They've got one of those masks on, you know, that just kind of covers their eyes. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? I can still tell it's you, you know. But, and they've got a bag on their back that's got swag written in big letters. And while you're asleep, without making a sound, they steal everything that's in the room. And then suddenly you wake up and your room's completely bare. The window's open and curtains just flapping in the wind. Maybe that's just me, okay? Maybe you think of something else. Maybe you think of a thug teenager who goes in and shoplifts from a shop. Maybe you think of a sort of shaved head, angry, kind of real hard-nut prison. Guys should be in prison and locked away and the key thrown away. But if you looked up the word steal in a dictionary, the basic definition you'd read is this. To take something from someone without permission. So there's actually so much more to stealing than what would first meet the eye. Okay, yes, there's the obvious blatant forms of stealing that we all kind of know of, we know that they're wrong. Things like burglary, shoplifting, pickpockets, bank robberies, carjackings, you know, all blatant obvious stealing. But Richard's been speaking to us over the last few weeks and telling us how these commandments are more like icebergs rather than traffic cones. Yeah, we're all familiar with the analogy if you if you're new here basically the analogy goes like this most people see these commandments these 10 commandments as traffic cones so long as you can weave in and out of them you can get as close as you like but so long as you don't actually physically hit one and knock the cone over you get a job well done and you've passed the job but richard said these are more like icebergs and what's the key with icebergs what you see is just above the surface beneath the surface is a big, wide, massive expanse of ice. And if you get anywhere near there with your boat, you're going to rip the hull out and you're going to sink. You're going to end up like the Titanic. So stealing is a bigger, broader, deeper problem than we may realise. Stealing is done by all sorts of people, by all sorts of people, to all sorts of different kinds of people. Uh, In 2004... A man called John, aged 73, and his wife May, who was 69, were targeted for theft. They're from Arden, Glasgow, and they spent a week touring Scotland in their motorhome before stopping off for the final night of their holiday in Helensborough. I'm not sure I pronounced that right, but I think I did. And John said the following, We made sure everything was safe, secure, and we settled down for the night. We then heard strange noises, like someone was trying to break in. So we called the police. Upon their arrival, police officers found a 14-year-old boy curled up next to the vehicle. He'd attempted to siphon fuel from the motorhome and attached his hose not to the fuel tank, but to the sewage tank. Oh, Oh, disgusting. It went wrong for him, but he tried to steal from this lovely old couple. Some would say he got his comeuppance. But stealing is a very personal problem, okay? Individuals and couples like John and May can be targeted by thieves to have things stolen from them. And I'm sure in a room this size, many of you here this morning are going to have been victims of theft. You're going to have suffered the consequences of someone stealing something from you. I personally remember the feeling that I had when I had my wallet stolen while I was out travelling and... I just remember feeling so angry, so helpless, and, and just, just the act that they've taken something that was mine, it was just horrible. But as well as being personal and it's done to individuals, 
Stealing is also impersonal, where it's done to companies and organisations as well. All kinds of people and all kinds of companies are targeted, right from the, the bank to the council and the council right through to the zoo. All of these can be victims of theft. It gets so bad to the point that, where it seems that anything that's not physically nailed down or chained up seems to be up for grabs for any opportunistic thief. Nice, that's mine. You know, and it's really bad. The thing that always used to get me with bank pens, yeah? Pen, bank pens were such a bad thing that they were going to be stealing that they actually decided to chain them to the desk. I remember I once went into the bank and they'd, someone had obviously broken it and they'd reattached it to the desk and so it was a lot shorter. I couldn't actually write in my checkbook. <coughs> Unless you're part of Barclays now, which they've given up chaining them to the desk. I think they just give away free pens. So you kind of walk in and grab ten and <laughs> shove them in your pocket. But if we look up the thesaur- in the thesaurus, we look up stealing, we find out there's lots of other words we can use in its place. We can use defraud, cheat, embezzle, heist, lift, loot, make off with, pillage, pinch, plunder, rip off, shoplift, swindle and thieve. Basically, there are a lot of ways we can break this eighth commandment. Stealing is a very dishonest act and it's not just the physical act of taking something. It can be something else. I mean, we've all seen TV shows like Watchdog, Builders from Hell, uh, Cowboy Builders. Is that... I might have made that one up. But Watchdog and Cowboy Builders are definitely real shows. And and they were really big sort of, I guess, five years ago. And they're still on today. And we all always see, okay, on Watchdog, you see the company that hasn't delivered the product that they promised they'd deliver you. Or on Builders from Hell, you see the dodgy builder who's quoted for a job that doesn't need doing. Or he's overcharged for materials and labour. And we see things like that and we think, what thieves, you know, proper crooks they are. You know, that's terrible and it's awful. I just want to ask a question. What about you? What about when you have to close a business deal for work? Are you totally honest about it? What about when you're selling something on eBay? Or even, let's think bigger, what about when you're selling your house? Are you so totally honest about both the good and bad qualities? Do you skip over the negatives? Do you give people a fair price? You see, theft can, is not only blatant and obvious, but it's also subtle. It can, it can often go unnoticed. Okay? It's sometimes done by people that we would consider upright, respectable, good people. They do things like mortgage applications. They're manipulated, changed. VATs, dodged. Tax forms, fiddled. Tax evasion is actually such a huge crime the one analysis says this precise figures are impossible to obtain since no one knows the amount of income that escapes taxation through evasion unrecorded financial transactions and other similar activities inland revenues estimate that the amount owed is between 7 and 15 billion pounds each year between 7 and 15 billion pounds are stolen through tax evasion. So how honest have you been? How honest have you been on your tax forms, your mortgage applications, anything else? Okay, let's move on. Workplace. Stealing is rife in the workplace. Massive amounts are stolen. Uh, People take office supplies, sheets of paper, pens, 
staples. You could make personal phone calls during work hours. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, there's thousands of different ways we can steal from our employers. And a lot of us, you know, we'd go, you know, it's just supplementing my income. You know, it's a perk of the job. You know, everyone else is doing it. It's only a couple of quid. But hang on, though. The Eighth Commandment that we just read doesn't say you shall not steal more than a couple of quid at a time. It doesn't say you shall not steal unless everyone else is doing it. It says you shall not steal. Full stop. So if you're an employee, how are you doing? Are you a good, hard, honest, good employee? Or are you a thief? Are you stealing stuff from work? Just a quick question. What do you think is the most stolen thing from work? Time. Time is the most stolen thing from work. We've all heard the phrase, time is money. Yeah? We forget that when it's convenient for us, don't we? We come in late. We leave early. We take lots of long coffee breaks. Extra long lunch hour. I just have a sick day. I'm not feeling very well. Fancy a three-day weekend. Yeah? We all steal time. And we make excuses like, oh, they won't notice. It doesn't really matter. You know, they owe me. But hang on. That's stealing. That's something you don't deserve. And stealing time is even bigger than just at work. Okay? We can steal time from friends, family, and other people we meet with. We arrange to meet them. You turn up late. You've stolen some time from them. Uh, an example of this is in the TV series Friends. Okay, this is kind of a se- one of my secret joys. Okay, I love the TV series, Friends. I think it's brilliant. And in one of the episodes, uh, one of the characters, Phoebe, it's her birthday. And she thinks, great, I'm going to celebrate my birthday with my friends. And she says, I've booked a really nice, fantastic, posh restaurant. We're going to go out together. Meet me there at 7 o'clock. And she arrives at 7 o'clock. None of her friends are there. Strange, I'll wait for them. 20 minutes pass. She's still waiting. 40 minutes past, she's still waiting. A whole hour passes, and then her friends start to turn up. And she's mad. Why is she upset? Why is she angry? She's had an hour of not only her life, but her birthday stolen away from her, which she won't get back. So you get the idea. The the thing with theft is it's a bigger problem than we realise. In one of my favourite books, The Kite Runner, it's not a Christian book, it's just a I just thoroughly enjoy it. It's a good book. Um, there's, in this book, there's a father talking to his son, and he's trying to explain to him how big and bad the problem of stealing really is. And he says this, When you kill a man, you steal a life. You steal a wife's right to a husband. You rob his children of a father. When you tell a lie, you steal someone's right to the truth. When you cheat, you steal the right to fairness. Do you see? Now, I'm sure you see. Okay? The point we're getting at is that stealing is a big problem and there's loads of ways that we go around and we break the Eighth Commandment. <clears throat> and it affects us all. So now, let's look at the second thing. Let's look at the cause of stealing. What's behind the epidemic of theft in the world? What are the things that make us go so far as to steal something? I think there are two things that are part of the cause of stealing. Okay, And the first one is actually breaking another commandment. A Christian writer called J. John says this, The commandments are interlocked. The 10th, 9th and 8th commandments 
with their prohibitions on coveting, lying and theft are all linked. It's impossible to seriously want to steal something without breaking the tenth commandment. It's practically impossible to carry out theft without breaking the ninth commandment. So he's saying, when you break one commandment, actually you often break others as well. And I think here with stealing, we've not only broken the last three, but we've also broken the first commandment. First commandment says this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Now I won't go into huge detail on the first commandment because Rich did this a few weeks ago um, and if you haven't heard it you can get it off of our church website and you go to the sermons tab and you can listen to it there. But when we have broken the eighth commandment we've also broken the first commandment and this is one of the first things that I think lies behind stealing. It's that we've replaced God at the centre of our lives where we revolve around him to placing money or possessions there instead, causing us to go off course. Think of it like this. If an impartial, unbiased observer came from outer space, okay? Let's think of someone like E.T., yeah? Came from outer space, and he came to look at us, to observe us, to see our culture, what we live for. When E.T. eventually phones home, what's he going to tell his parents, you know, ah, this is what they live for. This is their sole purpose in life. I think he, often he would conclude that we live for possessions. Because all too often, when we're not obsessed with earning money, we're obsessed with spending it. And we've all heard phrases like retail therapy, shop till you drop. The whole thing of our culture is it's bombarding us constantly with the message of, you need more possessions, you need more things. If you get this, that will make you happy. Think for just a moment. All the adverts you can think of on TV, they're trying to sell you a product and they're trying to say you cannot live without this product or they're trying to save you money. All the adverts you get on the internet with the banners or the pop-ups, they're all trying to sell you a load of rubbish. Even Christmas, which is coming up in, what, four or five weeks' time? If you ask a ten-year-old child, what's the meaning of Christmas? What's the best thing about Christmas? They'll tell you what our culture is saying. Presents, gifts, possessions. We all too often have elevated possessions to a position of ultimate importance when they're not ultimately important. The problem of stealing in this world is often looking to money and possessions for fulfilment and happiness rather than Jesus. And this problem, this worship of wealth, it's not a new thing. It's not just a problem that we face in 21st century Britain. It's always been a problem that humans have had to face and it always will be a problem that we'll face in the future. Because Jesus speaks bluntly about this topic in Luke 16. He says, No servant can serve two masters. Either they will hate one, love the other. They'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Remember right at the start, before I even mentioned stealing, I said that for us to get these last six commandments in place, we need the first four commandments to ring true and to be in place in our lives. And so we need God first in our lives. Not money, not possessions, not even ourselves or anything else, but God and God alone. So who do you serve? 
Jesus or money? God or possessions? You can't serve both. The second thing that I think is a cause of theft is a wrong understanding of possessions. A wrong understanding of possessions. The world says that the possessions you have are yours. You do what you like with them. You know, you own them. It's your house, it's your car, it's your money, it's your TV, and so on. But the Bible says something quite differently. Uh, King David in the Old Testament, he's speaking to God in 1 Chronicles, and he says this. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. David is saying something very different to the world we live in. He's saying that everything here, ultimately everything on the planet, is God's. He owns it. The property, possessions and wealth we have are not ours. They're God's. And we have to look after them. J. John again puts it this way. I no more own my house, my car, my bank balance than I own my library books. They have all, in a different way, been issued to me. They remain the possession of someone else and one day will be returned to them. The difference is that while a librarian may merely smile and say thank you, God will want to know what I did with all that he lent me. Everything is in God's possession. And the whole point of stealing, of taking something, is to increase our own possessions. But that's not what they are. They're not ours. They're God's. So when you're looking at your neighbour's stuff, when you're looking at his plasma TV, his sports car, when you're looking at her dress or their iPad, and it's not theirs. It's God's. And they're looking after them. So when you're considering stealing something, Let's take the idea of stationery from work. When you're thinking of stealing the stationery from the company you work for, it's not the company you work for, it's God's. And this point of God owning everything should make us stop and think twice about stealing. Because we're not just stealing from a neighbour, from a faceless corporation, from an unknown individual. We're stealing from God himself. So now... Let's look at the third thing this morning. Let's look at the solution to stealing. Now, I don't necessarily mean nailing everything down and getting a burglar alarm, okay? Although that might be a good idea depending on where you live. But the solution to theft, I want to look at the solution to the theft in our lives that we do ourselves, okay? <clears throat> what we, I want to look at what we can do so that we can fulfill this eighth commandment that God gives us. So the first thing, go to Jesus. The first thing is go to Jesus. If you're a Christian, 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So be honest about theft in your life. You may have given it another name. You may have said, I've had a five-finger discount I've just permanently borrowed this, you know. I've helped myself here. It fell off the back of a lorry. But no matter what it is, stealing is stealing. And we need to own up and we need to confess to Jesus. No matter how bad, how big, how awful the theft is that you've done, 
or any other sin for that matter, Jesus can bring it before. Jesus can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He can deal with it and he can give you the same right standing that he has before God the Father. And it's that reason we were talking about this morning, about how we can enter straight into the throne room of God. You need to go to Jesus. And if you're not a Christian and you've, you've not trusted your life to Jesus, you're not following him, then you need to get this sorted out. You need to go to Jesus as well. Because Paul, a guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he gives a list of things in 1 Corinthians 6 of reasons why you won't get the kingdom of God, why you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And one of those things, in verse 10, he says, thieves and swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you've stolen something, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. That's the bad Awful news. But Paul then says this in verse 11. He's talking to the Corinthian church and he says, And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So what Paul's saying is if you've stolen, if you've stolen something, then you need to repent. You need to stop stealing And you need to go to Jesus. You need to trust him with your life and choose to follow him. Because the good news is that the the same work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit back then, 2,000 years ago, in that church that Paul is writing to, that transformed those thieves, that work is still available today. And Jesus can transform even the worst of thieves. He can make you clean, he can wipe away your guilt, and he can change you from the inside out. And Jesus did that very thing to many people. And he did that to one guy called Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he stole a lot of money from lots of different people. And then he met Jesus. And Jesus changed him like that. And Zacchaeus then cried out, I will give half my money away to the poor and I will pay back four times what I stole from people. And this is a work of God in a Christian. And it's called being born again. It's being born again. It's when you're spiritually changed. It's when you go from doing the wrong thing to wanting to do the right thing. In the case of Zacchaeus, he wanted to do all that he could to make amends with those that he stole from. Not so that he'd be accepted by Jesus and welcomed in, but because he already was accepted by Jesus. So once we've gone to Jesus and we've repented of stealing, this is the second thing. This is the second part of the solution. We now seek integrity because we're changed by God. By this I mean we seek morally, standing morally upright and honest as people. This is more than just avoiding sin. Okay? This actually has positive virtues to sin as well, uh, positive virtues as well. The Bible says that once we follow Jesus, we don't just avoid sin, but we actually reflect him. Christians reflect the character of God because the Holy Spirit is at work in them. God himself is at work in Christians, making us more like him. So we start to reflect God's character in honesty and justice. And people see this and it glorifies God. So finally, to finish with, I just want to look at being, now that we're, as Christians, 
In light of becoming more like Jesus, I just want to finish by looking at a few practical areas where we may need to take action because of stealing. And the first of these things is in personal transactions with people. Okay? Have you ever had someone lend you something and you've had no intention of giving it back? Have you had a convenient memory lapse when someone's lent you a fiver when it's time to pay them back? I used to own every single Smashing Pumpkins album on CD. Yeah, Brilliant band, I really like them. And I say once owned because I ended up lending them to a few friends and I haven't seen those CDs since. Antoine France, a French novelist, once said this. <coughs> he didn't cough. Or maybe, I'm sure he coughed, but... Antolo France said this, Never lend books, for no one ever returns them. The only books I have in my library are other books people have lent me. (laughs) So here's an idea for you, okay? It might be worth going home, looking around in your loft, in your CD rack, your shed, your garage, your bookcase, your cupboards, and finding if there's anything that someone's lent you that you failed to return and then return them, okay? Don't just put them on the side and think, oh, great, I found them. And also, if they're damaged in any way, if they've been dog-eared, if they've suffered in any way, eaten by the dog or something, don't just give them back as they are. Offer to replace them, okay? The golden rule is what Jesus says in Matthew, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. Second Thing that I think we need to take action in because of stealing is by showing integrity at work. We need to show integrity at work. People in our society generally look at jobs with this attitude. What's the maximum amount of money I can make by doing as little work as possible? Pope John Paul II was once asked by a journalist, how many people work in the Vatican? His answer, about half. <laughs> If you have a job, if you're an employee, okay, you want to work and earn your money. You don't want to just steal it by wasting time of your employer. Ephesians 6 verse 7 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. And Paul in that passage is talking to slaves. So how much more does that apply today to paid employees? And integrity in work applies to all areas of work, okay? For example, the Bible says in Proverbs, honest scales and balances are from the Lord. So we shouldn't shortchange people. We shouldn't give them less than they require. We should, uh, we should try not to rip people off. We should conduct our business transactions with integrity and honesty, okay? So, for example, if you're in a business where you make quotes for jobs, quote them a fair price, okay? Don't rip them off. But as we said earlier, stealing is more than just taking things from people, okay? Uh, And taking possessions. It can also be what we refuse to give people, okay? Deuteronomy says, Do not take advantage of a hired man. Pay him his wages each day before sunset because he is counting on it. Otherwise, he may cry to the Lord against you and you will be guilty of sin. So employers, pay your employees. If you've ordered something or had someone do some work for you and you need to pay them, pay them promptly. Don't say the check's in the post when it's not. Don't wait until the last minute. 
Pay them promptly and as soon as you can. Also, do your share of the work. Okay? I remember when I was at school, we had a science experiment that, was, that we had to do for coursework. And we were put into groups of four. Okay? And it was brilliant. We divvied up the work. We went, you do this, you do this, you do this, and you do this. And we all had our own share to do. My mate, Kieran... He decided he wasn't going to do his share of the work. And so, to, so that we all four of us didn't fail, we ended up having to, the three of us had to take up the slack and do the work that he needed, that he was supposed to do. You see, if one person doesn't pull their weight, then the others have to take it up. And so, you see, by not doing your work, you've actually stolen labour from someone else. And this is a really subtle form of stealing that is found not only in the workplace, but also in families, classrooms, and even churches like ours. Rich is feeling a bit uncomfortable now. (laughs) So let me just ask you a question. Are you holding back in any area, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at school, college, or even church? Lastly, I want to finish with this. We don't want to just avoid sin, okay? We want to reflect Jesus, as I was saying earlier. So we don't want to just not steal, yeah? I talked about positive virtues, okay? So we want to be generous. We want to be a generous people, okay? Imagine you've just died. What do you want your obituary to say? Do you want it to say, they weren't a thief, didn't steal nothing, Or do you want it to say that they were generous and giving? We should be generous with those in need and those around us and those we just want to bless. We shouldn't want to hold on to everything that we have and we should want to share it with others. And I don't just mean money, okay? I also mean time, possessions, hospitality and anything else you can think of. Because I think... As well as showing the character of God, giving also, I think, combats theft. And I just want to suggest one thing to you, okay? Look at yourself. Take a long, hard look at yourself and search your own heart, okay? Look in your own heart and see where you are most tempted to steal. Whether that's money, possessions, time, or something else. And identify that specific area and then make an effort to be generous and giving in that. Because I think that will combat your want to theft and to steal from other people. You may have to start small and then actually with an aim to grow bigger and be more generous in that area. And it may seem hard at first. But we must remember, however much we give away, God has always given Far more. And in some way, when we're giving stuff away, when we're being generous, we're imitating God, our Father. So this morning, we've seen that stealing is a massive problem, and it's caused by getting God out of the centre of our life and replacing it with something else, by having a wrong view of possessions, and the only solution to this is Jesus. Because Jesus can transform us and make us more like him, causing us to be a giving, generous type of people. I'm just going to pray and then we're finished.
Father, I want to thank you so much that you are such a generous God that you gave Jesus, your one and only son, to die on the cross for us. So that us thieves can actually come to you and be transformed by your grace and made to be like you in your image. I thank you, Father, that you have transformed many people in this room and I pray for those who don't know you and that they would come to know you in a greater way and be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would help us with integrity, whether at work, home, school, or just with everyone around us. I pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.